Good morning. Good morning. We're going to get started. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, my name is Natalie Vaughn, and I'm just a, just a regular old person here. And um, uh, yeah, I, as I was writing what I was going to say to y'all this week, I really kept thinking, I'm, I'm really say the same thing every time. It's like same song, different verse. It's just the same thing over and over. And, um, and then when I thought about it, I thought, isn't that what we need to keep hearing the same thing over and over again, just God's truth? Um, <clears throat> let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you that you're here with us. Um, I pray that the truth will be spoken and received here today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Um, I know that we've all had relationships that have hit rough spots. And whether it was with our husband or our kids or friend or a coworker, and yes, even with God, um, there have been times when we have forgotten about the goodness of a relationship. Sometimes, many times, I get in those rough spots and I seem to only be able to remember all the yucky stuff of that relationship. Um, the things I don't like, even to the point where I start to conjure things up just so I can be more mad. (laughs) Absurdities that simply aren't true. I say things like, you never, or you always. I can scream, cry, yell, rant, or turn on the silent treatment like nobody's business. One time when my husband Ronnie said something to me that I found particularly hurtful, I didn't talk to him for a week. Oh, it's what I call being coldly cordial. Um, I made sure I acknowledged him, and I cooked supper every night that week so I wouldn't have to go out to dinner with him. (laughs) And um, I, I I made a plate for myself and carried it into the bedroom and shut the door so I wouldn't have to eat with him. So, um, and all the while, I wasn't helping anything. I was getting madder by the second. And things that I was more than happy to overlook the day before now infuriated me. I was becoming bitter and petty. And heaven forbid those times when I don't get my own way or I know that I'm going to face a particularly trying time. Katie, bar the door. Until, until I remember. I remember when love was new and vows were fresh and experiences were meaningful. My attitude was hopeful. And because I remember, my heart was encouraged to persevere. Moses is telling the Israelites to persevere. He is reminding them to remember. My granddaughter, Nora, went... um, strawberry picking with some friends. Now, she's only about two years old, but they took pictures of them picking the straw. You know, they have their big buckets and their galoshes on, and they're picking the buckets, and the strawberries are running down their face. Um, And it was a fun day, and she likes to talk about it, um, especially when someone brings it up or she sees pics of that day. She says, I remember that day. It was awesome. Sounds just like Nora. But I wonder, does she really remember that day or not? 
But the pictures and the stories are tangible ways that keep the events of that day in her mind. And I think we're much like Nora. We need tangible ways to remember. We, like the Israelites, are prone to forget. So God, through Moses, told the Israelites and us to do things like tell stories, teach our children, read, talk, and write about Scripture to help us remember over And over and over again, God through scripture keeps reminding us who he is, who we are, and what he has done. I want us to look back for a minute at the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to read it to you, so you're going to have to bear with me during that. The Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. Talk about a biblical worldview. Every day... Everything was to be done through the filter of Scripture, who God is, what he has promised to do, both now and in the future. God was to be on their hearts. This was both a promise and a command. We are to remember by continually having God's on our hearts, by talking, writing, teaching. We are to remember that the Lord is our God. In response to that, we are to love him, love him with all of our heart, all of our will and affection, all of our soul, all of our being, and with all of our might. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project says that all of our might means all of our muchness. We are to love him with all of our muchness. Because we are his, we are to love him in all these ways. Um, In the New Testament, Christ repeats the Shema um, when the Pharisees ask him what the greatest commandment is. Um, But he expounds on it a little further. Just in case we get haughty and say, oh, I've got that. He says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, crap. Now that really really throws a wrench into things because I really love myself a lot. And, um, And I don't love others like I'm supposed to. So already I'm without even thinking about it, just for being, I'm, I'm uh, sinning. Okay, let's press on to what Moses has to say in Deuteronomy 7, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 11, and I'm going to read them to you once again. Um, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people as his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now... Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who keep his commandments to a thousand generations. A thousand generations is just another way to say forever. He keeps his steadfast love and commandments to those who love him for a thousand generations. 
And he repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandments and statutes and rules that I command you today. So those that belong to God are holy. We are set apart for him. We are his treasured possession. He has set his love on his people. Now, I'm going to give you a couple examples, and I, sometimes I kind of um, hesitate to do it because I don't think human relationships can fully depict a relationship with God, but I'm going to illustrate it the best I can. Parental love. <clears throat> if you have a child, you know that you love that child even before that child was born, before they had ever done anything to cause you to love them, or conversely, had done anything to cause you not to love them. And we know that children are capable of doing both. You know that if you've been around them for very long. Our, but our love was set on them. I also think about this kind of love when people are dating and they're about to get married. When I first started dating my husband, he came, I was still in high school. I was a baby bride. Um, and he came home from college eight weeks in a row just to see moi. And let me tell you, it wasn't because I was so great or so beautiful or anything. It's because his love was set on me. Um, my daughters, and my daughters, they're now husbands. One of them was this big MTSU fan. I mean, like crazy MTSU football fanatic. Couldn't miss. I mean, like the kind that takes his shirt off and writes an M on his shirt or something, you know, in blue, or wears a blue wig or something like that. He's a nut. He missed an entire football season just to get, when he was dating just to go see my daughter. And my other daughter married a guy that was in the Army, and instead of going to his family, to his family, his parents, his siblings, he came to be with Abby. Um, just, and they really they didn't even know each other. His love was set was set on her. And my son, who ended up marrying a girl that he started dating in the eighth grade, I can remember this conversation really well. We were driving in the street, down the street on Poplar, right in front of St. George's. And he said, I just love her. She's perfect for me. She was in the eighth grade. Come on. He ended up marrying her. He didn't, he did. And so um, this is just a, a little depiction. God loves us in a infinitely more beautiful way that he sets his love on us he keeps his promise and just in case we're inclined to think that it's because we're so great he reminds us no we're not he loves us just because he loves us and this is no ordinary love this is a love that is faithful and steadfast this is hesed god's steadfast love David writes in Psalm 136, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And on and on it goes throughout the whole song. His steadfast love endures forever. In Lamentations, the poet cries out to God in the midst of his sin and suffering. Listen carefully to the wording here. And that's your little things that I gave y'all today, because I think this is really important. But this I call to mind, I remember And therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But this beautiful, steadfast, enduring love does not exonerate us from our responsibility to obey. 
And our obedience is also a a way to remember. Spurgeon says, not keeping the commandments of God is one of the most vivid ways of forgetting him. And William Taylor, I don't know if any of y'all listened to the sermon that was linked in this week's thing. He's an Anglican pastor. Um, He said, obedience is the antidote for spiritual amnesia. Obedience is the antidote for spiritual amnesia. Obedience is a gift. It's a gift to help us remember both the goodness of God and the blackness of our own hearts. In spite of this great love that God has for us, we are still still stiff-necked and rebellious, and our obedience falls short. How can we possibly meet the demands of God's law? We can't. But God has provided a way. Christ became both our sin and our obedience. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, um, the Lord says, for our sake, well, Paul says, but the Lord says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 2, 13, Paul speaks, he forgave by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Thanks be to God for that. Christ is more beautiful than our sin is ugly. Now there's a part of me that's almost afraid to say that um, because I don't want to minimize the evil of sin. And the very thought of it sounds scandalous. But when I look to the beauty of Christ in all of his glorious power, wisdom, justice, And sacrificial love, I know it's true. Christ's love is more beautiful than my sin is ugly. For where does scripture say that my sin has overcome Christ? But Christ says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Listen to the words of Charles Wesley. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice on my behalf appears. Before the throne, my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. To God I'm reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence, I now draw nigh. And Father, Abba, Father, cry. The truth and beauty of this hymn is a reminder to me that as ugly as my sin is, it doesn't hold a candle to the beauty of God and the measure he will go to to keep the covenant that he promised. The covenant I have broken, yet he has kept. Christ is our covenant keeper. He has set his love on a people of his own choosing. I want to take a minute and circle back to that last part of that passage that we read in Deuteronomy 7. And it serves as a reminder to us that those who hate the Lord will face utter destruction. The Lord says he will not be slack to those who hate him. He will repay them to their face. God demands justice for our sin. Will you face utter destruction or will Christ be your surety? To those who are his, he invites us. He invites us to feast on him. He invites us to his table to remember that his body was broken for us and his blood was poured out as a new covenant for us, that he gave his life for ours. David David reminds us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Please, Lord, 
help us remember these truths. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your word that has been so clear about who you are and who we are. We thank you that your word is able to transform us, that you are able to transform us. And it is not based on our righteousness, but based only on the righteousness of Christ. Lord, I hope this is not an exercise in just mental acuity that we just are taking these things in and learning them, but they will pierce our hearts and cause us to go out and obey your commands with our whole being, with everything that we are, that we will live this out in our day-to-day lives, that we will have a biblical worldview, that in every day we will um, live our life through the filter of Scripture. It's in Christ's beautiful name, I pray. Amen.